Uh, If you would, come with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Word of God says this. God. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but looking at a fresh book, at a new passage in chapter 1 that starts out with God, excites me a little bit. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, who has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begun begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful to be together on this Sunday morning. So thankful to be thinking of this Christmas season together and And truly the the greatest gift that you've delivered. Lord, help us for these next few minutes just to focus on your word. Put down any distractions in our lives. All the circumstances we might be waiting in. Lord, help me to speak clearly. Lord, help us all to see you in this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's funny, this time of year... Many people are spending countless hours either online or in stores looking for gifts to give their loved ones. The amount of pressure, hustle, emphasis, and focus put into this time of year, I find, is quite exhausting. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day is often cut short to begin the scrounging, the searching, the purchasing of the perfect gifts. I've often wondered why homemade wool socks for everyone wouldn't just be enough. Or a family trip to the mountains. Cut back on the mental stress, convey the message of warmth, and avoid taking on that stress and gas money. What is it about gift-giving? Is it about the reaction we are looking for when we give the gift? Is it the, whoa, when the receiver realizes the great gift you've given that really only enhances your greatness rather than giving for the right reasons? This time of year can present so many Challenges, so many pressures. 
And I'm burdened to remind us of the greatest gift given in history this morning. One thing I've been challenged really by our pastor and a few, few other older men in the ministry is to really look at all that's going on in the text. And although I, I will openly tell you I'm no professional at expository preaching, I have such a desire and see such a need to go and preach that way. But looking at what's really going on here in Hebrews, we really have to recount the context of this book. I have to think about what's going on. It, it is said to have been written to believing Jews who are facing hardship, persecution, somewhere perhaps between 80, 50, and, and 60, which is approximately 25 to 30 years after the ascension of Christ. Many scholars held, hold the belief that this was the early church. The purpose in writing to them was to encourage them to not fall away through their circumstances but to press on, not drift away. If you look and take a quick peek at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, don't drift away. There was a t there's been a few times in my life I've looked at that and I go, Lord, help me to not drift away. Some of us young people were in that, that common bracket statistically in the United States where drifting is popular. Drifting away. This reminds me of a similar letter written later, about 10 or 12 years later, by Peter in the book of 1 Peter, say AD 60 to 64, who's writing to scattered believing Jews all through Asia Minor who are facing deep persecution. Things that we've probably read about, we can read about this morning and say, wow, that's... But, but to really, really sit down and say, I know what they're going through is probably pretty tough. They're facing this, these trials, deep persecutions. And Peter starts out his letter very similarly. Don't forget the inheritance that you have, the imperishable, incorruptible inheritance that you have through Christ. Not lose sight of the truth that we know to be truth regardless of the circumstances around them. Christ is either a cornerstone or a stumbling block, as we see in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. It's interesting, a couple years ago I was asked to, to pray before a NASCAR race in New Hampshire. And there was all these things about how I have to have certain things in my prayer, which I found a little interesting. Armed forces, at the time nurses, was, was definitely a big thing. And there was a little thing that I was not supposed to say. I was not supposed to use the name Jesus in my prayer. Now, one thing I've learned, and, and many pilots, if there's any in the room, is there's certain verbiage you use to acknowledge various things. And so when the air traffic controller says something and you are to acknowledge it, you say things like Roger, or, or you have to read back. Yes, I'll taxi via Charlie to Alpha cross 1836, hold short. You're acknowledging what's that said, but I learned quickly I can't not say the name of Jesus. Perhaps there's repercussions for that. So going into this prayer, I'm supposed to stuff all this in in 28 seconds. And right before I get to go up there, 
the representative for a certain news station looks at me and says, hey, we're cutting you in half, we're behind. <laughs> what do I cut? Not the name of Jesus. And so, if, if you were to look it up, which you can, it, it's a little bit of a, it, it's a little hitchy of a prayer. Some would suggest, Alec, next time maybe you should write out your prayer. Perhaps. I'm from Maine. I grew up in the woods. Perhaps. But in the end, I felt the need to resoundingly say, in Jesus' name we pray. And you wouldn't believe the response you would hear. The response was, Jesus. Literally heard that. So I came down and, and I was quickly escorted off and told I would never do it again. But it comes down to Jesus. He's either our cornerstone or he's our stumbling block. Every time we come to that topic, it's either what we build on or we trip up. I know a few people that we can't even go near that topic because it creates this massive problem. <gasps> oh, no, no, no. You can mention anything, God, religion, church, whatever. Don't say that name. I had it at work the other day. I love this time of year because it's one of the times of year I get away with playing Christian music in the shop. Love it. Take advantage of it. The name of Jesus. But take a look at how this passage starts. It starts with God. Much like we know in the book of Genesis, it all begins with God, who at certain times and in various ways spoke. We see this word spoke or spaketh or spoken, depending on your translation. We see it here twice in our text today. And the Greek word here is leleo. Leleo, which is used to speak, to say, to speak in literal ways or portions, different capacities. Leleo, which is semi-different from the word that's used to say, spoken into existence. There was many different ways in which he used to speak. We know that through the prophets, through dreams, through messages of angels, he spoke. But the writer notes that in the past, God has communicated through various means, and now in recent days is now communicating through the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are a few things here that I believe should be highlighted that oftentimes, especially this time of year, we overlook. We overlook. I'm not sure if your family is like mine. Perhaps maybe there's one in the room. But some of us on, on, on the kindred side, we, we take a little bit of pride in gift giving. So we spend a lot of time in getting what we seem to think the perfect gift for our extended family. And I have memories as a kid of spending what seemed like hours of doing Christmas. And they're great memories. I'm not knocking it. But it was almost like there's a story before the gift is given. There's a story while it's being unwrapped. And then there's a story on the back end for each gift. And it was almost like to say, let me tell you why this gift is important that I'm giving you. Let me tell you, as you're opening it, where I got it. Rennie's, the main adventure. <laughs> and then once they open it, 
Let me tell you the contents that it holds and why I think it was the perfect gift for you. Now, by the time you do that, <laughs> woo, that's a long time. Now, I appreciate it. I truly do. Because there's so much meaning and love around that. But that's really what I want to do this morning when we're thinking about the greatest gift in history, when we're looking at Hebrews chapter 1. To dissect and analyze the gift and why it's just right for communication, it's just right for what the world needs. First, we see the very action where God appoints his son as the heir of all things. As one scholar says, he, Jesus is God's final word. In the Greek for in son or the son, it actually means that the son contains everything that is needed. He's the ultimate means of communication. The clearest view possible. Romans 11:36 says, For him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. John 1.3 says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. The air. Matthew 28.18 says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he's the air. Now perhaps this writer, who, who we don't really know, truth wholeheartedly, we don't know. There's some suggestions out there. But they're writing to these believers that are going through circumstances and trials and persecution. And it's almost like, much like Peter, he's reminding them, don't forget this. Don't forget your inheritance. Don't forget he is the heir of all things. Number two, don't forget, as we see in verse two, he made the world. He is the creator. He's the heir and he is the creator. I've said it for a few years now, and, and I, I think about it often. Our eyes get so lazy on stuff we see every day. We drive to work, we come home from work, we see the same stuff every day until something changes in front of us and we go, oh, it's different. And it gets our train of thought thinking maybe in a different way. Maybe it's the sunrise as you come over. For me, it's a peak in Gorham as I headed to Portland. The sun just wham to the point you can't even see. And it's just a reminder going, ah. Sometimes it might be in an airplane. I, I've loved taking, especially kind of that 10-year-old group where, oh, yeah, creation, that's nice. Yep. Oh, the leaves, yep, they change, yep. Oh, well, let's go on a plane and show you this whole different perspective and change our perspective, change our viewpoint, and help us remind ourselves that God, Jesus, is the creator. He has made all things. For some of us that really enjoy November, maybe that's us out in the woods enjoying creation, seeing beautiful animals that, that God's created. Just going, wow. Wow. He is our creator. We can see his handiwork all around us as a reminder throughout our circumstances. We all have hard days. We all have Hardships, we all have things that are just tough. If we're not going through a trial, I've often heard that we're about to or we just came out of one. 
But I don't know in all of that that the reminder through a sunrise has ever made that worse. It's a great reminder. It's a great encouragement. He is our creator. And so when we're facing these things, big, small, indifferent, we can go back and say, I need to remember who God is, who the Son is. He is the heir, he is the creator. Number three, in verse three, who being the brightness of his glory. When the sun does hit you on a cold day, I had this happen to me just the other day, and you're in the cold, and all of a sudden that sun hits you, and you go, wow, that's warm. He is the brightness of his glory. Think about the Old Testament and the Shekinah glory of God. He is the brightness. He is the radiance of his glory. John 14, 9 says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? From a human perspective, I just kind of wonder sometimes as a disciple, what would it have been like to look Jesus in the eyes? I don't know. I just wonder. Could you look eye to eye? We all have those people that sometimes maybe we struggle, we go, you know, or we just look the other way and we're still talking, side conversations. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I wonder, what was it like to look Jesus in the eyes? The radiance of his glory. Continues, and it says, and he's the express image of, of his person. Some, some translations may say the imprint, the exact imprint of his person. Some of us younger folks may have seen the ad online that pops up about those really interesting sandals that have the cross imprint on the bottom so that when you're at the beach this summer, you can walk and leave the imprint of the cross on the beach. Now, 70% of it's a little corny, but 30% of me like, kind of wants them for a baptism. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I think about that imprint, the exact imprint of the Father, the exact stamp, the exact imprint of the Father. I have great m- memories with my son, probably will continue to, but all my kids just the other day, we were out for our last hunt, and, and we were going through the snow, and, and coming back, I, I saw our tracks side by side, and I enjoyed that. And in some ways, you can see similarities. Oh, maybe we both have a bad hip. I, I don't know. But they're not the exact imprint like the sun is. The exact imprint. The air, the creator, the representation, the radiance, the And then we see here, through the upholding of all things by the word of the power, we see that he is the sustainer. Sometimes in the craziness of life, the chaos, we may ask the question, what is keeping everything together right now? (laughs) Sometimes I get home and we have dinner and you just want to... 
soup, sandwich, just keep it simple. I don't know what's keeping it together right now. But I'm so thankful to know that he is our sustainer. He is our sustainer. And then, thinking, really, thinking about the cross, after all these things, by himself purged our sins. Mm. Most of us can probably sit here today and think about the fact that our sins have been purified. He is the purifier. So as we're dissecting this gift this morning, the greatest gift ever in history, a gift that we cannot even come close to, the purifier through the cross. I just did, I just enjoyed a, a word study through the whole Bible on the word submit or submission. Hippotasso is the Greek word. And I just so enjoyed it when it brought me to the cross about when he gives himself up to the Father. Submission. Powerful. He is the purifier. And at the completion of purification, he sits down at the right hand of the Father where he is now. But it continues. It goes on to explain that he is greater than angels. We see that after he talks about he's obtained a more excellent name than they. Verse 5, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? To to which angels did God ever say, you are my sons? Today I've begotten you. And there's a couple questions here that that are being challenged. That question, that first question brings us back to the messianic psalm of Psalm chapter 2. The second one is, and again, I will be to him the father, and he shall be to me a son. And that brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 7, which I'll get to that in a second. Very interesting to note that it's 2 Samuel chapter 7. I know somebody that puts a lot of emphasis on angels. Collects little knickknacks of angels, little fingerings, and angels, angels, angels. Everything is angels. Now, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not in a position to give you an eight-week course or dissertation on angelology. I'm not there. But I can see in this text where it is clear that he is superior to angels. And sometimes we can put so much emphasis into various things and miss the big picture. Definitely used, just just like prophets, used in various ways. Like I said, angels used all through Scripture But here it's saying, better, greater, superior. Here is my son, the gift. Focus on him. You are my son, today I've begotten you. That word begotten, I didn't know this until studying this out. Begotten, a word that truthfully my entire life I've just skimmed over. I think it's probably more used in the King James Version, begotten. I think probably more translations today use the word become. But it's really to show that equality between God and the Son. They're equal. Incredible to think about where this is headed. Superior. God never referred to an angel as his son. And then to think about the next question there in 2 Samuel 
chapter 7, verse 14. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the blows of the sons of men. I find it intriguing that it brings us back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, and that they're connected in the writings here. If you take a quick look at that passage, you'll quickly notice the popular passage of the Davidic covenant. We all know that Jesus was born through the line and lineage of David. Head over to Luke chapter 2 real quick. We will be going back to Hebrews briefly, but head to Luke chapter 2 real quick. Verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So she brought forth her firstborn son, key word, firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were there in the same country, shepherds living out on the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round, around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Head back to Hebrews. Sometimes I'm concerned, and, and maybe I'm just the young guy. Sometimes I'm concerned we don't get excited enough about the greatest gift in history. Great tidings, great joy for all people. And then we come back to Hebrews, and as we, after we have the two, the two questions there about the, really the comparison between angels and the sun, but when he brings... Verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Not about you, but I, I find God's word absolutely, incredibly powerful. And when we go back to Luke chapter 2, when we look at verse, well, let's start in verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David... Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The greatest gift in history. So for us today, these are 
popular stories we've probably all heard through growing up in church, if you have. If not, our world, actually, in many ways, hears it probably every December. But we must realize that shepherds came, wise men came, angels appeared, they came, all arrived in awe. All left praising and telling of this great gift. We must recall and resound the greatest gift in history and join in harmony to our broken world so that we may sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. I think about where it said, there is no room. Prepare him room. And at the end of the song, repeat the sounding joy. Doesn't say that once. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply. I think of creation echoing their joyous strains. In the chorus, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory be to God on high. O come, let us adore him. The Christos, the Curios, Christ the Lord. We have to remember the people that, that this writer is writing to. All they know is the law. They know the system. And they're reminded here, you don't have to follow the system anymore. You've got to follow the Savior. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in going, I've got to do this, I've got to do this checklist. We cannot forget the Savior, the greatest gift in all that's here. The heir, the creator, the sustainer, the radiance of his glory, the purifier on the cross for us, the greatest gift. Oh, that we may take this gift so much more serious and realize just like all the other disciples did that the Messiah is God himself and we have everything we need in the Son whom God sent us to be an intercessory atonement for us. When we seek to see the Son, we see the Father more clearly. So when looking to give our gifts this year, don't forget to focus and give the message of the greatest gift in history. Sometimes we just glance over it. We've all seen various little things, probably already to December, that, that are little reminders. And just like that stumbling block, there's always this, this hinge where it's, oh, let's not forget the true meaning of Christmas. Without Christ, there is no Christmas. There's a reason we have to keep remembering those statements. He's our cornerstone. Or he's our stumbling block. So in all of that, remembering the greatest gift in history the Lord would help us pay more emphasis on the eternal rather 
than the temporal. C.S. Lewis once wrote these words. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, he answered. Not because you are? I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for all that is wrapped, contained, and included in the greatest gift of your Son, the Savior, Christ the Lord. Lord, help us this time of year and even year-round and each day and each hour, Lord. Just help us focus on you. Help us realize that we are here for a purpose. We're here to fulfill a plan that you have for our lives, to share this great message. Lord, I pray for this church to continue doing that very thing. Encourage us all. Pray that you help us as a ministry, propelling the gospel, as families, as parents, to do that very thing. To not lose sight of the Savior in all that we have going, in our busyness, in our circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.